0: Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika, and this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest
1: to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you.
2: In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5E's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators.
0: Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary.
2: a message from friends of the show. Hey, everybody, we're the hosts
0: of Two Weeks, One Shot, a tabletop RPG variety podcast. We play one-shot
1: campaigns in a variety of systems.
2: With a variety of guests from all around the TTRPG scene. And obviously, I bring a certain je ne sais quoi to every performance. I never trusted Jellyfish as one of my space racism. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Let's talk about how every time I run a game, you guys manage to find like the weirdest take you can possibly give
2: on it. Have you accepted one of my bugs into your body so that we can Communicate telepathic Now get your bug no <laughs> bugs in my body. First sight of
0: trouble. Shoot it! Shoot it with a gun! <laughs> Find
2: us wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search two weeks one shot. Are we ever gonna have a serious discussion about playing furry pirates? No, no, I said i made it, it. It's it's very it.
0: So I'll take that as a yes.
2: Welcome, everybody, to what is going to be part two of our discussion on the latest 1D&D on Earth Arcana. Today, we're going to be diving into the classes and subclasses that are featured in in the article here. But before we go ahead and get into that, as always, Mr. Miller, Mr. Myers, good evening. How are things down in the wonderful state of Connecticut this fine evening?
0: Awesome. Things are going great. Very happy. I had a wonderful game session last night. Ended a big, epic an encounter with a big, huge great worm, and my uh, my fourteenth level. Characters who have now advanced to 15th level combine role play, combat, and puzzle encounter, which they did solve and got a nice bit of lore to help them move the story forward as well. They did a fantastic job and they befriended the dragon whom they saved. The dragon granted them each powers. So as a storyteller, I was able to grant the players some neat things and I did it in the way of just giving them some added feats that were very true to where their characters were going. Some of them got Aberrant Dragon Mark, some of them got items, and if they were minor powers, they got a minor power and a minor item, and it balanced it in that way. But they were all very story focused, and players really seemed to like that. Excellent. It was great to give them a level and something beyond, oh, you have you collected some loot. Yeah. And I think it, I loved it. We did an episode on that in the past, and hopefully that'll be in the liner yeah. notes if you go to the webpage on the show but that's what I was looking different ways to reward my players and I enjoy
2: yeah that's that sounds excellent and mr. Myers I'll get to you in just a second here but just a quick reminder for everybody out there that if the kind of game that Lee runs sounds like the kind of game that you'd be interested in you can always become one of our patreon subscribers at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys where we run a game every month just for our patreon subscribers yeah that's a good time you get to get, meet your fellow patreon subscribers this month and for the last couple months. We've been focusing a lot on playtesting for our latest book that just got featured on Kickstarter. But if you want to go ahead and join us at our table, yeah, check it. there would be an ad in the middle of the show talking about our Patreon page. Make sure you go check it out. Some other benefits that you can get on there also. And After thank you so much ad, for the support. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much for the support. We do love our Patreon subscribers. It's why we love doing these games with them is that we love bringing them to our table. What a fascinating
1: <laughs> role players that I never would have met otherwise.
2: It's been great. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Mr. Marge, how about you this evening? How are you, sir?
1: Doing? I'm doing great. I had a lot of fun this weekend. We made it out to a LARP weapons practice up near, closer to Hartford, Manchester area, nice. with some of the people from Anomaly from that playtest that I've been part of, which gives me an opportunity to try to not get my butt kicked with buffers quite so easily. And ooh, let me tell you, as an old man after a day of weapons practice, my shoulder <laughs> from all of the extra motions with my arm yeah, out well, my I'm rotator sure. cuff and everything, killing me. Yeah, uh, but it was yeah. a great time. And now we get to dive into this UA and talk about some classes and subclasses and we can only get better from here. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Josh, well. you can speak to the uh, rotator cuff issue. Yeah, you, you were doing metal weapons, not buffers, because I know uh, you're yeah, doing yeah, the full yeah, SEA yeah. fighter thing. I mean, I'm not the, even the, trying the,
2: to. I, I wasn't even doing the live steel stuff. That was just, they were with retain weapons. So basically, I would beat my friends over the head with a bat for fun and profit. But yeah, I can totally appreciate uh, where you're coming from with that. That rotator cuff stuff is no joke. My <laughs> footwork is,
1: isn't bad, yeah. but my body doesn't move like it did when I was younger. I went offhanded uh, for happened. a little while just to give this arm a rest, but my offhanded yeah, yeah. footwork whew, went ass over Ooh. kettle while I was trying to backpedal. It was yeah,
2: great. I, I can imagine. Yeah. But, well, you know, it's- folks listening to this podcast,
0: I have had the <laughs> pleasure of going toe-to-toe with Glenn in a in a fight type scenario. Where we didn't use boffer; We were bad little kids, and we used sticks as rapiers and such. And
1: That was when we were in Scouts. That was basically just whacking each other with sticks. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot of skill involved, but we had a lot of fun.
0: And we had a lot of fun, and every now and then, we'd roll off a really sweet maneuver here and mm. there, but I gotta tell you, Glenn has a disarm in him, and it's low on to he who meets that bad boy at the wrong moment. <laughs> he may not be able to get it to work all the time. <laughs> but if he gets that one out, you're going to know he was there.
1: does too, which is why I needed it, alright? To be yeah. fair in this stick bout, first Lee Wanika did a cool arrow Flynn swirly swirl and my stick went flying away and he's like, he sticks his arm out. So I did a basic front round kick right to his wrist and his stick went away. And he was
0: like, ah! My wrist! <laughs> to be fair, I actually had some foil training because I actually did fencing for a while in grade school. So I had some training and I had retained at least two moves and I use those two moves ad nauseum and yeah. it worked yeah, yeah. And i was my hand kicked which never happens in a fencing fight
2: all right let us try to bring some sanity to this show this evening we're going to be talking about the classes and subclasses that are listed that are featured in the new Arcana article from one D D here and so we're going to go in the order as always in the order that they appear in the book here so we will start tonight with glenn's favorite class i i didn't realize this the bards and and anybody so we have our bard class episodes actually coming up relatively soon here including our next class warfare featuring scald where len is going to kick our butts as we all roll up bards. you haven't even recorded it yet at this point and i'm sensing a recipe for disaster at this point i
1: don't hate bards anymore i learned to like them partway through 5e lee likes to take credit by making me play bodhi the bard and he probably gets some credit because playing bodhi gave me my a a solid play experience into bards in 5e and i do like them now? They're not my favorite. Yeah. One of my favorite subclasses that I wrote is the Bard College of Correspondence, so I definitely yep. can't
2: argue. It's a great subclass. It really is. So what about you, Mr. Miller? What are your feelings on Bards in general, uh, maybe specifically about the Bard build that we see here in this UA? Because I definitely have some specific notifications and some general thoughts.
0: So I liked what I read in general. I'm anxious to hear your thoughts because I took a real high-level view of these classes, though I did do a little drilling down, mostly with the rogue. But the bard, it seemed interesting to me, and I like what the subclass, the lore bard, brought to it. Lore bards interest me. I wish there was a little more mechanical support too. it doesn't have to be song. I wish there was a little bit more that leaned into alternate methods of oral traditions interpretive dance even. I don't know. I just wish there was a little more than just focus on instruments and singing. And I get that is core and classic and tradition with the Bard, but I like other elements of that. And I, I mean, when I play mm-hmm. Bards, they lean other ways generally, but I have played Bards that lean definitely into song.
2: I'm not sure where your sense that's, that the influence is only song-based is coming from, because it says right in the very beginning that invoking magic through music, dance, and verse, Bards are expert at inspiring others, blah, 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 blah. So- definitely allows for the narrative basis for them to be more than just song based. And there is one power called songs of restoration, which is basically their spell granting ability. But beyond that, I'm not sure where you're seeing the influence on Song specifically
1: verse could even mean poetry or a totally spoken yeah. monologue spoken, versus spoken
0: word or what have you. I mm. guess your song of restoration spoke out to me as being contrary to the initial statement, and so I really focused in on that. And I knew that first statement was there. Maybe that'll come with subclasses. I don't know, but I guess I was looking for that to be better woven into each of the powers along the way because I think that's something that's less done, and that's just a narrative thing for me. I think it's a it's a quibble. It's not a dislike as much as it, it's equivalent. Like For me to make the bard really sing as being fantastically better or greater than what it ever was before, it would have to have those other elements. Because that's what I think it has always missed. Just those little bits written oh. in to the mechanics. And since this doesn't have it either, it lands pretty much the way the 5e bar- bard yeah. lands for me, which is fun. I want to play one. I enjoy what they have, but it doesn't jump off the pages being my favorite class. Yeah. In-
2: they don't beat you the head with it but i would argue that they do work it in like even in songs of restoration they say specifically you've learned how to use music poetry and dance to heal wounds and maladies they talk about how even if you look into some of the subclass abilities like cutting words. You learn how to use your wit to supernaturally distract people. It doesn't have any basis on what you're doing to distract them. That's totally narrative based on the type of bard that you are. So I'm gonna disagree with you on that one. I think that they okay. wove it in pretty well, but they certainly don't beat you over the head with it. They don't say it's not like every power says it's not like every power has like a different focus or anything like that. So I, they're not beating you over the head with it, but I would say that it's a little bit more private. All I can want, say is
0: yeah. Josh, you've run into me before, I've got a thick head. I need somebody to beat me over the head. That's fair.
1: That's true. That is true. Yeah. Go ahead, Glenn. What's your thoughts? I do find some of the changes to the bard interesting. And I know we haven't really lost into it, but I'm going to a little bit. Because one of my biggest gripes about the bard as a viable class is that where they've always lacked is combat ability. Now I get it. A bard's not a martial class. But as an expert, I was really disappointed to see their choice of weapons nerfed to only simple weapons, even though they demoted the short sword to being a simple weapon so that bards can still use them. But a bard with a rapier is a classic iconic bard look. Too sure, I mean, yeah. taking away the general finesse weapons from the expertise class, particularly since well, bard is predominantly charisma. Since their weapons, including the short sword, were finesse and deck based, it was a, that was an important part of the bard to me. And they yeah. already struggled in that front. Now, that's not to say they don't have great magic for being a supportive caster and a buffer, but they don't have a spell to cast every round necessarily. And then now you're reduced to a short sword or a light crossbow. And
2: yeah, I think that is more. I think that's more where what is being perceived as. A nerfing of the bard class is that's where its origins are. Is it's not so much that the class is nerfed, is that the class has been changed? It's no longer a like a like a not a jack of all trades, but a it's not really a class that exists in two different worlds anymore. They have, in fact, leaned into the bard as a spellcaster and as a utility tune. And if you think about it in the scope of the expert class as a whole, what do you have in the expert class? You have your rogue, which is your skill-based, and even though they all have expertise, but your rogues are your sneaky, they're your skill-based runs. Your rangers, your more martial kind of class now, so your bard is like your utility guy. Your bard's your healer. And I think that really leans into if you look into the bardic inspiration power in particular, right from the very beginning, now bardic inspiration can no longer just give a buff to, to to attack roles and abilities roles and stuff like that, it can heal people. You can use your Bardic Inspiration dice to heal people. That is a huge, I think, bellwether about where they see this class fitting into kind of the grand scope of things. So
0: I would concur with that seismic shift if I'm going to use a little hyperbole here with the Bard class and which is interesting that they're going to shift away from where it had been and deeper into this other role. What I find is interesting about that is the history of the bard. When we talked about druids, we talked about how druid originally came, sprung from the cleric class. Bard originally sprung from the rogue class. At the same time the druid was a class of cleric, the bard was a subclass of rogue. It was the original trickster rogue, if you to use the 5e vernacular. What's interesting with this new setup is we are firmly putting them back with the rogues by making them part of the expert group, taking them away from whatever they had become, which is largely a straight-up spellcaster and could have very well been in the mage group. In fact, they even get the arcane spell group. It is only at later powers do they then get to borrow items with their magical lore, do they get to borrow things from the divine or the primal or the primal yeah. spell groupings?
2: At 11th so, um, level, yeah, when they get primal secrets. Which is yeah.
0: something I believe I alluded to, that they're probably going to give them arcane and then give them some ability to draw from the others as they advance. That's exactly what they've done, a bit more elegantly than I was originally postulating. So I really yeah. like, that's one of the things I really like of, about what I'm seeing here, is the way they manage their spell list. And yeah. their spell complement is, I think, really expertly done here, pardon the pun. I really think that history of the bard bringing it back is interesting, especially when they then drive home this healer bit so hard and so heavy. I talked about not getting beat over the head with the alternate methods of being a bard, but they sure beat us over the head with the with this specific method of what a bard should be.
1: Yeah, and that's I agree. And songs of restoration, which you mentioned earlier, is basically always prepared healing spells that all bards have now all the time prepared, right? That's not something that's coming from a subclass. So they are 100% landing the Bard in the realm of the healer. It always had healing capabilities. It could be side-healed. It didn't have to be. Like, College of Whispers wasn't likely to heal you, depending on the Bard, mind you. But now they're 100% in that camp. And yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I'll see how it plays out because I think a lot of the stuff is going to be really interesting to see how it goes. Because while I am upset about that nerf on the physical skills, you're not wrong. They've done so much to expand the use the versatility of inspiration to be able to use it as a reaction now instead of having to give it some to somebody in advance.
0: And I love that. Fantastic. I hate to interrupt one, but I got to speak on that. That I meant that as probably, a jumping off
1: point. So, go ahead.
0: That is probably one of the single best things about this class as the best change
1: ever to bard.
0: because we've spoken before about how do you precog or how do you get people to use things that they forget they have like how many times has somebody given a bardic inspiration back and it sat unused for the entire session because they're banking on it and hoping they got to use it right. at the right moment now it take that all out of it and the person getting it doesn't get to decide what that's no longer a thing this is the bard sees and or hears something and then says oh no that needs to change and then they make that change. They manifest that change after they recognize it going wrong. Yeah. Narratively, that is so powerful. And that is much more what the power should have always been. Absolutely. And I, don't, and I don't fault Watsi for not doing it that way. The way they did it before is pretty much the way it has largely been done. Exactly. And, but I love this. If wrong, and he can fix it.
1: Perfect. And it fits right into what they've been saying about trying to change the game so that there aren't things that you're just holding on to in case you need it at some point, yep. And then it never gets used like Inspiration or Bardic Inspiration. They're trying to change the game so that you use the things and you can get yeah. them back. I really like the fact that yeah, now it's used when needed, not hoarded.
2: The other cool thing, and this was something that was on the video with Todd Kenrick and Jeremy Crawford, talking about Bardic Inspiration, and I don't see it actually alluded to here in the rules, but it's something that they said on the video. So I don't know if it's something that we're going to be see coming out. But Bardic Inspiration, when when you roll Bardic Inspiration to go ahead and add on to somebody's ability score, if you roll a one on that Bardic Inspiration die, you don't lose it anymore. And that's not in these rules yet, but that's coming. They alluded it's to that in, in the video. It's one of the abilities, but it's not really. Oh, written, is it one, one of the abilities? This is yeah. maybe, maybe it's not like the base one. It's like it's something that they get as it goes along somewhere
1: because yeah. I read it in the document.
2: But it's a brilliant way to go.
0: And it speaks to some of the things that get. rules it's it's a seventh level ability, yeah, yeah. We, it speaks to some of the rules that I've done as homebrew on my table. Yeah. Uh, I don't like double rolling critical hits because what happens if you roll less than what you normally would have been done? I prefer yep. the original die being maxed and then you roll the other die on top of it. So worst roll you possibly make, it's still better than the max hit you would have normally had. I like that method and this feels to me very similar to that. So this is probably something that th- that people have been I didn't particularly do it, but it's really something that people have been homebrewing for quite some time at their tables. It feels like that kind of a mechanic. Like yeah. This seems pretty well tested before we got started. We're just yeah. now rolling it out to the masses and saying, let's codify this because yeah. this is actually making it. Yeah.
2: One other thing that I'll say about the Bard class, and I think that this is more going to be a about- about how the evolution of magic in 1D&D in general is going to go. I think that there's like a two sides of the coin, a good a bad kind of thing here. I'm still not fully on board with the splitting of the lists as arcane, primal, and divine right i'm still that's still a little weird and there's a lot of cross-pollination between all the lists And i'm not totally sure that i'm down with that just yet i think i preferred the class specific lists because it gave a little bit more flexibility and liwanika to the point that you brought up last time we talked about this there's really no room for and so where is that going to fit in this and we love ourselves some psionics here but yeah so that's kind of thing one the other thing though the recommended spell list it's a nice sort of it's a nice. It's a nice guy. Especially guideline, if you're right? new to the class. If you're new to the class or thing like something like that, or honestly just not sure what spells you necessarily want, it's a nice, it gives you a place to go ahead and start Say, you know what, no, I don't want X spell. I, I don't want I don't want power word kill. Why wouldn't you want power word kill? But that's just the first one that I saw in the paper here. So I'm gonna take a different spell in that space instead. You know, I think that's a pretty decent that's a pretty decent guideline and a really nice way to to lay it out there. But also again gives us some perspective on where Watsi thinks these classes are gonna be are gonna go and what they're gonna be used for. Yeah.
0: I I am a big fan of the split, though with each UA I don't see a set list. I become more worried that we're never going to get it, and I think we're never going to get it, at least not off the rip. I think psionics will be, as always, an afterthought at the end of the life cycle of a given type of D&D. Never
1: um, going to get it. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. Never going to get it. It's true. It's well, true. Well,
0: well, but but essentially, that worries me. However, I still like to split. And I think the cross-pollination is leads to exactly what I was saying. What they're saying is, here's a list of all arcane things. Here's a list of all things that are divine. Here's a list of all things that are primal. You can cast a fireball that's arcane. You can cast a fireball that's primal. You can cast, and I'm guessing, I'm, I don't actually know if fireball exists on all three of those, on those two lists or not. I know they're on the arcane list, but but I'm saying different things can exist in different lists. And then that, get, that in and mm-hmm. of itself gives you the narrative to how to describe it and how to talk about it and how it's cast because it's in a list. So if you're casting it from your list, how do you cast primal magic and get it and if the spell becomes the effect the list becomes the method. And yeah. that's the way I look at it. And I
2: actually like that. See, my, my issue there though is I don't want to be this dead horse. We want to move on to the next one. But magical secrets, the eleventh level ability, the one that you were talking about earlier, that allows you to basically prepare spells off of different spell lists. If the spells have a lot of cross pollination, what's really the benefit of that? If I can And why why at eleventh level can I also pick Arcane to be that list when I already have arcane spells? So it seems a little it seems a little clumsy the way that it's being executed. And I think that it'll get fixed. I think it'll get streamlined and better. I think it's a little clumsy right now.
0: So I like that because what that does is allows the player to individualize because you might pick choose to pick arcane at that level as opposed to- you If you're a
2: bard, why would you already have all the arcane spells though?
0: Because, because a magical secret spell does different things than a regular spell.
1: So here's That's the biggest why. power to magical secrets- Bards are limited only to Divination, Enchantment, Illusion, and Transmutation. Uh, That's fair. Yeah, that's true. So it's not just any list. It's also any school. And that opens up a lot of options for them that they didn't have regardless of cross-pollinations. Yep. That's Like heavy offensive spells. Yep. Yep.
2: Yep. That makes me feel better about it. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, so it's like I
1: said,
0: it has to do with some of those minor interactions is what makes that work really well. Sing, if you will. But but I'm a fan of the split, and I'm a fan of the way that works. Yep. I like magical secrets, and I'm intrigued. What were your thoughts on the lore bar?
1: Before we get to the lore board, I have one thing to say on the magic thing. I have one concern. I am not a fan of going back to having to now figure out whether or not the spells I'm picking for my class are the correct school of magic. or they in the right school or not? Because they're going to be alphabetical, and there's no easy way to sort that. It's a crunchy pain in the ass to figure out what nope. your spells can be. That's why they went to, I felt, the individualized spell list, and I liked that better. I get mm-hmm. why they're going this route, and I'm just wondering what they're going to do to try to help combat that and how it's listed in the book. Hopefully we'll get what they're going to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. D&D yeah. D&D. The
0: is D&D Beyond. D&D Beyond because they're going to push you it basically won't let you pick something you can't have. And you can you're
1: sort right. it and the And they're planning for D&D Beyond at this point, which is smart of yep. them because digital is the way it's going.
0: Yep. Okay. Yep. And you can sort by the you can sort by the school in question. So when yep. it's time yep. to pick, you sort by what you can't take. It'll only give you the options that you can't. So it, it does a lot of that heavy lifting for you. If you're right. pen and paper, you've got a little bit heavy a road yeah. to row, but that's kind of, well, that
1: means that one day when one D comes out and is on D&D Beyond, I'll be upset all set. But for the next year and a half to two years while well, I'm trying to run an AP for it. It's exactly.
0: And that's yeah. why you go with the pre-planned list. That's why they're yeah. giving you that so you won't get frustrated. Yeah. I think it's actually a, from a,
2: marketing it's a really good connection it's a very
1: good connection it's to help you so you're not beating your head against the wall trying to find them that's a very good connection especially in this yep. playtest document
2: yep anyway so your to your question about the college of Lore, weniga i thought that the college of lore was very neat i think i liked the way i liked the way that it pushed a lot of things into into reactions so we're starting to go ahead and play with the action economy that sometimes the bard gets trapped in a little bit so i thought that was really powerful i liked the bonus proficiencies i liked it i liked the way that the college of lore was written with a little bit of stank it was written with a little bit of attitude like cutting words improved cutting words a peerless skill it's got a little bit of has a little bit of attitude to it and i think that, that was a neat bit of flavor on top of this class
0: yeah i cutting words is a great spell I have not played enough bards where I've got to use it enough. In fact, I've only played one bard and that was one of that was one of the spells that I, I went for. That that's an ongoing game that plays maybe a couple times a year. So I hope to go further with that and I look forward to that to, to continuing that. So in a one D D universe, I would absolutely be using that ability. And I think lore bards are kind of cool. I enjoy them.
1: I think a lore bard's kind of the classic bard, which is why they went with it or one of them anyway. They're, I think we're gonna see like the some of what they could consider the iconics when they put out these single subclasses and yeah I think it was put together well too it is neat and concise it's four powers it's just me I know but I still would like to see more in the subclass less in the class yep Yep. It, it's there and it's got everything that needs to be a lore bard, but it still feels like there could be so much more if you're going to make that the specialty. Yep. I'd rather see more abilities come from the specialty and less from the main class, but I don't think that's going to change by one d d
2: It feels like they're making everything like they did the monks in 5th edition, where it's like a monk is a monk, but the subclass is kind of shine a light on the flavor the type of monk and the way that the monk does things but a monk is a monk is a monk is a monk is a monk so I'm with you on that one Glenn.
0: I would actually expand on that and just to say that by eliminating some of the mechanical feature, ribbon feature, things that would used to happen in subclass, they have centralized when when subclasses get features, so every subclass is going to get them at the same time. Yeah, but, by 6, 10 that,
1: and 14.
0: but By doing that, they've removed those secondary features out, so you're going to get the bulk of your mechanics and the bulk of your ribbon stuff out of your class, and then you're just going to get the highlights in the subclass. If players and GMs are not very careful about the way they build things, it has the potential to add some sameness to all of your bar that i wouldn't like instead of a um, lot of flavor
1: now they're just going to sprinkling.
0: It. it's going to be important to keep other methods to keep uniqueness to your characters and keep that role-playing flavor players are going to have to come with it to some extent i always wanted them to anyway if it makes it easier for people to jump in and this will make it easier for people to jump in it's going to be up to those of us who are veterans to
1: lead the way. Well, to some extent, some subclasses only had three or four abilities before anyway, so they're not going to actually lose anything. In fact, if they only had three, now they'll get four. They may have a little bit of a bonus. But some subclasses had abilities going all the way up to like 18th level. I'm curious to see what those are going to look like when they come back to us now.
0: Yep, The warrior group will be interesting because they're the ones yeah. that had the most abilities.
1: Now right. it's just 3rd, 6th, 10th, and 14th. I still think the apex ability of every class should come from their subclass, not from the class itself. Yep, Throwing that out there, Watsy. I'm going to send it in my feedback too, just so you know. Look out.
2: Hey there, Travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level. Plus, Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DMs Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourners. Let's go ahead and move on to what I thought was the sterling gem in the class section of this UA document. Boy, do I love what they did to the ranger. I love what they did to the ranger. I love what they did to the ranger so much. I think that they fixed the ranger's spell economy. I think that they really did some things that really are going to allow that ranger to be more effective. know that they did not address the animal companion piece of it that we wish that they could fix. Well, I, think I think there's that what a reason we have they found... didn't
1: put out a Beastmaster yet. They're probably not done with that.
2: Exactly. And I think that he- here's the thing is that as we have found in our own exploits, the animal companion piece is a tricky piece to work with. And so I can understand for the first one, trotting out the hunter and but really emphasizing the changes to the base class. Let me put it this way. For all of the ways that the changes to the way that they're building classes maybe affected the bard in a negative way the way that they are rewriting classes has very much impacted the ranger in a positive way and not even so much the way that they're writing classes but the way that they're writing spells the way that they are giving the ranger the ability to tap into that primal magic in a very real constant way I am absolutely there for like the way that they're handling the spell casting the favorite enemy stuff absolutely love it the fact that the fact that they automatically have cure wounds guidance hunters Mark and Thorn Whip already prepared and their cantrips, so the Ranger has pretty much free access to them, is going they've to be... They've got I think that is, cantrips now. They've got cantrips now, exactly. Even just the fact that they have cantrips now. <laughs> and hot. those specific cantrips are... Just they're hot. That's the kind of thing that you want your ranger to be able to go ahead and do. And I'm absolutely here for it. I think this is a fantastic change. I love what they have done to this class.
0: My comment on the ranger class was as simple as this. In order to fix the ranger, they had to improve the whole game. And that's exactly what they did here. Yeah. yeah. By changing fighting styles to feats, by changing the two-weapon style action economy, making it part of the normal attack, by making armor training a real thing and then putting those capstone features at 18, those efforts, and I believe Crawford alluded to a lot of those efforts circled around the only way to repair the Ranger are exactly what the game needed. It needed it for this class and it needed it for the game as a whole. They made the entire game better just with the work they put into correcting the mess that was the Ranger.
1: And I'm super excited because I just noticed that despite what the feet said, we were, I was incorrect. And you are correct, Josh. The ranger can continue to take fighting style feats. It's in their second level class ability. Yeah, that's right I thought that there. there
2: was something in there about that. The, yeah,
1: yeah. When you gain a feat at later levels, fighting style feats are among your options, even though you aren't a member of the warrior group. So they did put a, a caveat on there to fix that. So yeah. that's hot.
2: Which, which honestly makes it a little weird because it's like, why put the prerequisite that you can that you have to be a warrior class or a ranger?
0: It's just I don't know. That's I can answer that. And I think I figured it out and thank you for pointing that out so eloquently, Glenn. The answer is because different subclasses will have that ability written in. So you want to play a wizard can't. However, a Bladesinger wizard can. Mm. That's how you do it. I bet
1: you, I bet you, I bet you. That's
0: how you do it. And that's bad ass. That is (laughs) is
1: badass. (laughs) If that's accurate as a prediction, that is hot as shit and nice connection. Yes. I hope
2: that that you're right. Yeah, because that absolutely makes sense. And that honestly, that answers so many questions actually. And that's why you play put all of the mages into one category and you give all the mages certain abilities that all mages have. And then when you've got your fighter mage or when you've got your your spellcasting monk or you've got your sorcerer rogue and you've got your fighter rogue and you've got your whatever rogue. Your war free, guys, They imp- can get fighting implied, styles. Yeah. These implied multi-classes that aren't really multi-classes. They're just subclasses, right? Yeah. That's absolutely you, the way that you do yeah, that. You pull like, from one pool or another.
0: That's wow. Thank you. Everybody listening to this podcast needs to understand why I love this team so much. We are all circling similar ideas and we have a certain process, but we pick three of us together, pick up on things that are fun to bring to you all. So Glenn picking up on that one phrase that I got, and we all loved it, by the way, but Glenn picked up the one question Josh had was a question that I understood. But when Glenn mentioned that one piece, then it's like, oh, but I know that connection and it can work for this. And now all of a sudden it all... Makes sense, and I wouldn't have thought that if I didn't hear the question and I didn't hear Glenn pick out that one piece. We are a team that does things in such a unique and fun way, I love it, and I'm glad you're here for it. We do this for ourselves as much as we do this for you, and this is one of those <laughs> moments for me, and yeah. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Lee. I, it's, I love the way that we all feed off of each other and work together as well.
0: Yeah,
2: so but one, enough about uh, us.
0: Yeah, let's I, talk about <laughs> Rangers.
2: So, one kind of weird thing, and maybe I'm hoping that there can be a similar epiphany in this year. One thing that I just didn't understand what they were talking about there. So when they're talking about their spellcasting focus, they make a reference that you can use a druid focus as your spellcasting focus. What the heck is a druid focus? Is that what do they even mean by that?
1: I guess we'll find out when the druids class. Comes I guess out. so.
2: But so again, so that's just uh, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode on this on the UA here. There's a little bit of weirdness where it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna go ahead and mention a thing. We're not gonna tell you what that thing is, but we're gonna go ahead and leave you on the hook a little bit. Druid focuses. What's a druid? And druids are in there. They're in the priestly section of sub of classes, where it's they're in there with the paladins and they're in there with the clerics of the divine magic users. Which is also weird too. Like why isn't the druid using primal? But I guess that's on the split. So they already using uh, primal. That's right. They are that's using right. primal. Yeah. Primal, they're the, just the still called the, the priests. Yeah. You'll probably have like <laughs> clerics and divine clerics and stuff like that. And so I, I bet you that would be a crossover. But, you know, but, but just call that grouping called? clergy. Clergy, right? Yeah. Instead of priestly. Yep. I think it's priests. Yeah. But okay. So yeah, so again, so that's just another little allusion to oh, hey, we're not going to tell you what this thing is, but you're going to see it in a later book. And it's just a mm-hmm. little way to go ahead and keep you reading. It's just a little bit ahead an and keep you Maybe that's an indication
1: of which group we're going to get next.
2: Hopefully. Because they also made allusions to the warrior classes so I'm not right, sure which fair one. Fair enough.
0: I'm right. actually I'm hoping for the, oh, the mages. Yeah, I'm hoping we get the Druid because that's where I wanted to lean with the character I'm building for the one A play test, the one d play test that Glenn is running. So yeah, that was the direction I was heading, but
2: yep. we'll see. I, I I may have played my hand here. So I alluded to this last episode also, where I said I was going to go ahead and say what class I'm leaning towards for Glenn's play test. The ranger being my favorite class in this UA right now, I'm also leaning towards a ranger. I think yeah. that, that could be a th- that could be very interesting.
1: So based yep. on Mike Marty's and. Fiona's readings as well. Everybody was impressed with the Ranger. Marty liked it a lot. I don't think he's stated that he's specifically interested in it or not, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And while not all of them know this yet, but they will when they hear this episode, by the time it's all said and done, because there's going to be 12 subclasses and hopefully six players, you'll all have made two characters in the course of it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nice. I'm actually hoping, like I said, Druid, because I'm currently playing a Ranger and a Rogue. He is multi class in in a live stream that Benito's running. Uh, I would prefer to go straight up Druid because I'm just feeling the natural element. And our last month doing the Druids have left me really wanting to play Druids a lot. Yeah. And I think. The concept of playtesting, the primal spellcasting, and some of those types of things is really where I want to be at. The one thing that gives me pause with the Druid is I'm betting they're going to go Moon Druid as their starting class, and that's not necessarily the one I would prefer to start
1: with. Yep, fair enough. Well, we're not flexible for the playtest because unfortunately yeah. we don't get to make the calls. We don't get to make yeah. the but calls. Those pesky druids are sneaky, though. The next thing you're petting an orange tabby cat and it's not a cat at all. Yeah. <laughs> not that is not any fun.
2: So, what did we think of the Hunter subclass? Again, a subclass that only has. Mr. Fumikins
1: was a deceiver. <laughs> Happening streams is <laughs> spawned <on> Sunday, sorry.
2: <laughs> so, again, only four powers in the subclass, which again is, is going to be the new standard model. But I thought that the Hunter was really. That's a, salt a, a and vile
0: deceiver to you.
2: Didn't enjoy
1: this but it'll be fine because she's the one that did it.
2: I couldn't. I held back Gilbert as long as I possibly could.
0: God rest his soul. No worries.
1: Please continue, that,
0: Josh.
2: No, I was going to say, so what, what do we think of the Hunter subclass? So like, again, only four powers because that's the new model that they're using for the subclasses here. So, I love it. Again, a little, little bit of the narrative punch is gone, but absolutely stinking loved it. Go ahead, Glenn. You carry on with what you loved about it. That
1: was it. I loved it. Everything yeah. about it. It's simple. It's concise. It's perfect. First ability yeah. at third level, Hunter's Prey, where you get an extra D8 once per turn if yeah. the creature's are already injured. So yeah. it's already hurt and you're tracking a wounded animal. You get extra yep. damage. Yep. Hunter's Lore to no immunities, resistances, and vulnerabilities of any creature you have or Hunter's Mark on it doesn't seem like much until you realize your characters have never run into whatever it is that you see over there but now that you've hunter's marked it and you realize that it's resistant to piercing damage you can tell yeah. your whole party that and change weapons around and stuff yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. hot yeah.
0: and as far as action economy this is where the ranger as an expert becomes so utilitarian for your group nobody has to take the study a- the, has to take the study action
2: Ready action, right? You know.
0: he just knows they just know it and that's brilliant if, if their
1: hunter's mark is up that's the key if they are you only have that, that on one target at a time, yep. but it's still pretty hot. And then Barrage being able to, once you have the ability, downcast it for first or second level slots with less damage. Basically, it's a first yeah. level spell slot AOE. That's sexy as hell.
2: So, yeah. So, the whole concept of downcasting, that's also that's something that we didn't even talk on last time when we talked about the rules. But the whole concept of downcasting. Upcasting has been something in D&D 5 and every edition of D&D Forever. Mm-hmm go ahead and boost the power of a spell. It makes but me wonder how do, much more of that we'll see. Yeah, I hope I a think lot more. That's a lot more, yeah, exactly, I'm sure. I think that it becomes a pain in the tuchus when you're writing spells, because then you have to go ahead and plan for players to go both directions with it. But could you imagine Downcasting a fireball.
1: First level you know, fireball. Yeah.
2: First level fireball. So it's you just need to go ahead and light a torch on the other side of the room, kind of thing.
1: Know, like 1d6 in and, and a 30 foot radius, but it, I Absolutely. think it's, it would still have a 30 foot radius. So it would be big and hit a lot of creatures.
2: Yeah. Either that or can you take it, make it a single target spell? What are the options? How yeah, far what, are you going to go ahead be? and downcasting? Yeah, exactly. Because there are okay. multiple ways that you can affect a spell, right? So yeah.
0: What's brilliant about that is it makes
2: your variant
0: levels of spells useful. Because all of us at some point have played a spellcaster, and you use your first level spells, you use a couple of your second level spells, you use every one of your third level spells. You've probably upcasted the heck out of it, so you've lost all your fifths, and then your six and your sevens, you don't have enough of those slots to do what you want to do with it, so you've got one spell that you just sit on for the whole thing, because I gotta be in the perfect right spot to use this thing. Now, with this downcast ability, I can use that awesome spell that has all these effects, but just by reducing it's damage or re- reducing some of the elements of it. I can put that down a little bit and now I'm using those right. second levels that I would normally leave on the deck. I'm using those first levels I would leave on mm-hmm. the deck. I'm using those other things and I yep. love that mechanic. It yep. actually puts energy and fuel to a magic system that is DD.
1: Yep. And now, I whether love- or not downcasting will be involved in the spell itself on the regular is unknown because this is specifically listed as a subclass feature for multi-attack for the ranger, basically saying they can do yeah. AOE barrages of Arrows. Will it be in Fireball for Wizard or a specific subclass of the wizard? Wizard? Yeah. Because I think that's yeah. where you'll see it. I think you'll see it in the subclass, not in the like spell. A,
2: like a, like a, a, a class of minimalists that are used mm. to like that kind of thing. Here's my what? one... Here's the other thing that I question about how that's going to work. I'm very interested to see how the warlock comes out when this gets rewritten because Warlocks don't really have to deal with leveled spell slots that much in 5th edition because their spells can level I think think that's gonna uh, change given what we're seeing in the ranger I think that they're I think they're going to look more like a traditional spell caster and so like how does that play into patrons how does that play into invocations how does that play into their packs how does that play into everything because the Warlock is such a dink type of caster different than the wizard I hope that they keep some of that flavor and they don't just make it like a different, like a different variation on a wizard. Like I think that would be a poor substitution for a warlock. I hope they keep all the cool things with warlock. But I'm I am interested to see how this works.
0: I am guessing that what we're going to see is the packs roll into the subclass feature somehow. Sure, like I can do that. Like your yeah. pack features are going to be part of that. So you will have your invocation similar to have their spell points, but that's going to be your side mechanic is the, is the invocations. But the packs will, because a lot of the packs right now are so closely tied, many of them, not all of them, but many of the packs are tied to specific patrons. So I have a yep. feeling we'll see a better merging of that as yep. we go, but that's my guess. I don't, I'm not as fervent on that as I had been with some of my other predictions, but I could see that going that way in order to
1: meet some of these similitude-type concerns. I, I'm curious to see where it goes. The hunter, their last ability that we didn't talk about, I think, is also super cool. The superior hunter's defense, where their reaction halves damage like a rogue, which is groovy, but now I can redirect it into somebody else. Yeah. So if Lee Wanika stabs me with that sword and I forget to do my kicky disarm maneuver instead, or maybe when I kicky disarm it, I make him stab Josh instead. And that's pretty cool. Yeah that is yeah. pretty
2: cool rangers are just great rangers came out of this looking really good and i'm very excited for them
1: absolutely so s- they've been so suffering for so long they deserved it and they might honestly this might be a little bit based on the way that i read it this might be a little bit powerful we might see, see some
2: nerfing through the playtesting maybe not if we'll they to wind up being one, one of the more powerful yeah.
1: classes it would be hot for them because you know they it, were it's
2: tough could, to compare because it's because they're different than the bards and the rogues they're right. just a different focus and so we'll have to see how they compare to the other warriors for the classes, other really. ones when
1: they come out, yeah. yeah.
0: I can tell you, I can almost guarantee they get nerfed in some fashion, specifically because of the way Crawford spoke about it. He specifically said, we overclocked this on purpose. That's yeah, almost. Want to a dial it court.
1: back to find it in, yeah. to, to dial he, it backwards he said to find it. To, that's okay. That's a good Because w- where
0: we were on in five, we felt we had to come out with the biggest. In the, that's the paraphrase part for this. And knowing that throughout the playtest process, if it's too overdone, then we can always come back with it a little bit. So I have nice. a ceiling that'll go there. That said. I like this enough and I don't think any of it is game breaking unless there's some interaction I'm not foreseeing. Some multi-class option, where mixed with this, it becomes un- immeasurable or some feet multi-class and this option that I don't know of. That means everybody would have to do that to be mechanically sound. Unless something like that happens, I hope they don't change a thing, because I love it as is.
2: Let's move on to the Rogue here, the third one in the class here. I see you smiling over there, man. Tell me what you got. Fire away. Stabby. Stabby, stabby, yeah. How many ways can I subvert the rules? That's basically what this class is.
0: (laughs) And specifically, Crawford even said it. It goes, the rogue was built to cheat the game. That's it. The rogue has so many different ways to cheat the game, and I'm here for it. I think the way the rogue gets to work is brilliant. I love because of some of the things they built in with action economy and the way your attacks work and your offhand attacks work as part of your attack action versus as a bonus action, that amps up what the rogue is able to do. I think every piece of the rogue that I loved is still here. Everything that they're doing is great. I will go on record, Thief is not my favorite subclass. And in fact, I rarely ever play a rogue thief. I don't think I've actually even played one since second edition. And I didn't particularly care for that as my kit option or whatever at the time. That's not the kind of rogue I tend to play. But that said, even I had to know going in this, before I even got to it, they're obviously going to do the Thief. So I think they did the Thief some justice here, and I, if such a term should be applied, and I really love it.
1: Said They did a great job. The Rogue is, Rogue's gonna Rogue, and it still does. There are definitely changes to the Rogue class, but its overall power structure doesn't seem to have shifted or moved much. It's just subtly different. But then the subclass for Thief definitely, I think, sings more than the original 5e version.
0: Oh, absolutely. It's a much better creation. Than it was in the past.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love the way that you have the synergy with your sneak attack getting better as you level up to the point that you can even grant yourself advantage on all attacks, which of course means that you can go ahead and sneak attack on them also. With by the time you get to thirteenth level with subtle strikes, you can you're granting advantage on your own attacks, all that sort of stuff. And I just I loved the synergy of this class. I loved the way that all the powers work together, and each power felt like a further that it worked together, that it was a step further down the path. You got to be a better rogue the more that you rogued, which is something like when we were talking about our rogue episode there, and Nico, when you talked about the Arcane yeah. Trickster, that was your whole, your biggest thing about the Arcane Trickster, is that you didn't get to go ahead and do the things that made the Arcane Trickster cool on, to make the Arcane Trickster worth being taken. Now we're looking at this rogue, and each power builds on itself as it goes along here. Each power Absolutely. makes the previous powers you had a little bit better, a little bit stronger, or or, or gives a, a new twist on them or something like that. I think that's really great.
0: Absolutely. I would say this about the Rogue that I think is important in our discussion. It's fun to think about the ways a Rogue gets used. I find them, at one on one level, very simple to play, but on another level, very complex. To play a Rogue, you have to be almost as tactical, if not more tactical, than some of the other classes because your action economy, the things you can do with your actions, you have more choices and more phases of the combat round than any other character in the game. So it does require you to really pay attention to what are my options, or more accurately, what's happening in this scene? What are my options? What is my goal? How do I best achieve that goal with these options? That's a lot to do in just a couple of seconds, a couple less than a minute, if you want combat to flow easily. I don't think they've simplified the way to play a rogue well here, but I don't want them to. I think... There's just some things that need to be a little more challenging and that makes it more fun. I Mm -hmm. live for that challenge and I like that challenge. I think it's worth noting that you yeah. do have to pay attention to your options when you're playing a rogue and that hasn't really changed.
2: Yeah, I can see that and I think that part of the reason why we're not seeing any simplification is because the rogue's not a spellcasting class so it doesn't go that extra level to go ahead and say hey, by the way here are the spells you should be preparing if you are X level these are the spells that you should be preparing these are the ones that are going to give you the most amount of utility the most amount of use for your particular class here's the things that you're going to be best at, at this level kind of thing but I also didn't get that it was particularly difficult like I didn't get that it was I think the again The way that they're laying out these classes gives it a nice so many characters that are within the rogue class are going to be so similar for better and for that I'm not sure that it's adding any kind of level of difficulty into I'm not saying the like it's like it's more difficult to roll with a rogue in in this. But
0: I I don't think it's any more difficult to roll with a rogue in this than it was in five E. I'm just saying that I think that rogues in general, five E as well, were slightly they had additional complications in combat rounds because of their Variety
1: of options.
2: Sure.
0: A- and the fact that you had to know which options worked best at which phases of the route. Yeah. Which- the
1: economy was complicated, uh, especially with, with bonus actions. There were too many choices for bonus actions. And it was always yep. like, you never knew which whether or not you were safe to sit, sa- you needed to save it so you could dash or if you could use it for something else. Yeah.
0: And so I think that, I think the, the multi attack bit and the changes that we've made there with offhand weapons freeze that up a little bit, so they yep. that has reduced some of the complication with sure. your options, and I'm looking forward to seeing other subclasses to see what they add to the mix and to see how that goes. But, I don't think they're more complicated than at the action economy of running a battle master, but I no, think they're funny. on that. Yeah. But I think they're on that level. Interesting. Okay. All right. Having played many of both.
2: Yeah, and I think it's also interesting when we start looking at the subclass here. The thief subclass, a non-spellcasting class, no spells at all for the rogue, and therefore the subclass gets two abilities at level three. Neither of them are particularly big, so I'm not sure if this is a model that we're going to see going forward. The other subclass has only got one ability at level three. The thief gets two because the they're not very big. Yeah, that's to because display, they don't I, have I, spells. Exactly. I'm I'm not sure which way that's going to go. I'm not sure if they're doing that because they don't have spells or because of the abilities that they get at level three. Because basically, you get you get a proficiency, or and you can get you gain a climb speed to jump speed, which again makes sense narratively, right? To go ahead and get to get that as a third level thief, or to when you become a thief. But I I'm, liked
1: it, and yeah. I thought personally that the I, jump thing, like thieves yeah. being able to the addition to second story work that you can use dexterity instead of strength for the check yeah. when you jump. I think that's hot as hell
2: absolutely yeah gets it into the skill for the class yeah Yeah.
1: but it's still got the the age old you can now use a bonus action to do your thieves tools and whatnot to pick locks and things so that's handy supreme sneak was neat with advantage if you imagine your stealth checks if you aren't using medium or heavy armor
2: yeah yep again the i'm so familiar with my armor even if i'm not if i'm wearing my leathers that I can go ahead and I, I gain the advantage on that check. It certainly makes sense to me, and again, it kind of adds to the flavor of who the thief is and who the rogues are supposed to be. And it, again, gives a really good indication to me on what does Watsy think this class is going to be good at, or what does Watsy think? What niche does this class fill in Watsy's idea of the game? So
0: I am a big fan of the tenth level subclass ability, use magic device. I like giving, the you, that, there. giving you that fourth attunement is awesome. I mm-hmm. can see that being a really nice feature added into the different class. Perhaps that Bladesinger gets to attune to one other thing as they can be sweamy, giving them that extra attunement you can get better armor protection than they Please. get
2: you see a blade singer becoming a wizard rogue
0: no i wasn't
1: I, a blade singer jump either from rogue
0: no, i'm saying that type of feature in other subclasses ah, and okay. other classes oh, okay. could be very yep. useful gotcha. because i can see a blade singer saying that these guys don't have a lot of arm armor, they don't have a lot of things, but by giving them that attunement, maybe the player will pick an additional magic item that gives them something a little better so that Bladesinger can be a little closer to the tank for the party. That type of thing. So I could see that type of feature in visit, revisiting in other places. A Cleric of the Divine, or, or uh, a Cleric of the Magic Domain, or whatever. Why shouldn't they get an ability similar to this? Call it something else, but basically have the same mechanical value, which allows, because they're a Cleric of Magic, why shouldn't they be able to attune to something else? And I'm not saying it will or won't be in that, Domain, but it would make sense to me if it was. So I'm hoping this is something that's not everywhere, but it could make, but this type of ability could make an appearance in, a, in other places. And I would want
1: pieces that. of it, pieces of it maybe, but this isn't just the attunement thing, my friend. This is the rogue thief ability of use magic device. And I like the changes because the way it used to be, where you could ignore all race, class, and level requirements for a magic item, yeah, it was neat and it was cool. It basically said you could fiddle with it till you figured it out. But how often did it come up in the game? Not right. Exactly. So this takes that ability and gives it in game use, which is fantastic. I like the fourth attunement because that's new. And maybe we will see the attunement come into more abilities in other classes. But it's the other pieces of this that I think really make it sing. That now when you use a device that uses that has a charge, you roll a D six on a six, you're, you use it without expending the charge because you're talented with manipulating them. Or the way that the scrolls work, though you lose it if you fail, because you can try to read any scroll that bears a cantor first levels you can read, but anything above first you can still try. You just might fail. Right. The way they changed the ability to just provide so much more in-game use for it to yeah. be used, not just narratively, but mechanically. I love it. Totally. Great change.
0: You're absolutely correct. My point was that one piece, I think you need to it needs to be able to be plucked out. Yeah, we'll see that
1: in other ribbons. We'll see that, yeah. we'll see
0: that with, with different ribbons under a different title in different places. I don't want it to be everywhere, but I could see it in a couple places here or there.
2: Nah. Here's, I think, why that doesn't work. And I hate to be the naysayer in this episode, but such is life. That's the mantle I'm wearing today. Why give it to the cleric of the magic domain if you're not going to give it to wizards in general? Because a cleric of the magic domain should not be a better wizard than Their a
1: forge leader. should get it.
2: A cleric of forge and and maybe oh, yeah, like,
1: specific subclasses yeah, is all he's saying. Like, he wasn't like, thinking like, it deeply like, into exactly right.
2: right. Yeah. That's, but I'm thinking that I'm not sure you're going to see this widespread because again, your average wizard should be a better wizard than a cleric of a domain of magic.
0: I'm not a fan of three as the attunement limit being a good limit at all or something like that. Personally, I think that limit should be four. For most four across the board, and then there should be certain classes or subclasses that go above and beyond that by at least one. How often is a
2: How often is a character going to have five magic
0: items? I think that I think gave away three magic items in the last five or six sessions because I don't have attunement slots. For one of them was trying somebody tried to give it back to me. I'm like, I can't, I, can't. <laughs> I just can't. So yeah, if you're right. playing the game at higher levels, it happens more often than you think.
1: So I yeah. contend that maybe what the answer there is, is more magic items should be written that don't require attunement because unless yeah. there's something that means it's now personalized to you, you shouldn't have to attune to it. A basic plus one sword, you should just be able to pick up and swing. Yeah, sure. It that should only be the matter. right. True. Fair. I just grabbed something at random. Bad example. Protection. Why should a ring of protection have to be attuned? If it provides that ability, you stick it on your finger, it should work for anybody.
0: Agreed. A a weapon of warning. I get it. It's cool, but I don't think a weapon of warning needs it. Honestly, I don't think anything below rare should need attunement.
1: Once you get into rare, that's the power level where I think attunement should be required. But the last thief ability... Thief's Reflexes, where you get an extra bonus action on your turn, that's sexy as hell, too. Yeah, you can only use it a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus, but now you can dash, dodge, enough. and disengage <laughs> and do another bonus action as well. Yeah. But you can only use that bonus action for cunning action, but that lets you do that and still do something else. Yeah. The only the hang-up is, the thieves ever the the had in the, the action economy so goes away right there.
0: Yep. And you get, but you got to get to the top before you get it. Yep. And that's what 18, that, that was the 18th 14. level ability. 14. So what that tells you is six, you're
1: not. Because there's only six, three, six, 10, and 14.
0: Yeah, you're not likely to be triple classing if you want that ability. And we've talked about this before. If they don't start writing some higher level abilities that you want to get to, they're going to forever have people who are willing to multi-class yep. because there's nothing above the 8th level power I want to get. That 14th level, I would, if I'm playing a rogue, I'm staying for that. Which means even if I wanted to multi-class at some point earlier on and go back to rogue or whatever, I'm not going in any other class beyond what it takes to at least get 14. Like, to be a thief also
1: to get that. You can't just be a rogue, that's yeah, a thief.
0: Yeah, that's true too. That, that, that might make me want to play a thief, even though... I don't like them, so I don't like doing that, but that's you don't just have me. to be
1: read the top of oh. it. Oh, you know? no, I you, don't. you could be a rogues who prefer to think of themselves. Some rogues prefer who do it, prefer to think of themselves as treasure seekers, explorers, delvers, and investigators, but they need the same skill.
0: Yep, different ways to play it, and I'm here for that. That would make me play that subclass is just for that ability. It's that good, it's that on. good.
2: Totally agree. All right, gentlemen, I think that we have we have bucked the meat from the bone of this UA over the course of about two and a half hours this evening. I think this is going to be good stuff. We will be back next week with finally our interview with Kyle from Five Points Games to go ahead and talk about his latest Powered by the Apocalypse build, Masks the Worst Generation. We actually talked about that episode a couple weeks ago, and then the one d indeed decided to go ahead and put out a 37-page UA, and we had to shift around the schedule a little bit. But uh, we've got Kyle coming on here next week to go ahead and, and talk about Masks the Worst Generation, and our Masks the Worst Generation actual play is going to be starting shortly also. Make sure you check out that interview. The game was fantastically fun to play, so make sure you it check was out a great- you, and then uh, then the actual play will be coming up shortly thereafter. All right, gentlemen, pleasure as always. Thank you very much, everybody out there for listening. Like we said at the beginning of the show, if you like what we do here and you want to support us, please think about joining our Patreon subscribers. You get access to early episodes like this one. You could have heard this episode two days ago if you checked us out. Or you can also get the opportunity to go ahead and play in our Patreon-only games. We run them once a month. Right now we're running a lot of playtests on the heroic subclasses of the Multiverse book, which is going to be going out to Kickstarter subscribers in November. If you want to come and play at our tables or listen to our episodes early or just think that the show is cool and want to support us, we'd love you to go ahead and check out www.patreon.com slash So We
0: are forever grateful. Oh, you have have a work. wonderful night.
2: All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you again next week when we bring in Kyle from Five Points Games. Till then, hope you enjoy your week. And yeah, we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also
1: stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, we would
0: appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, We did you shade and sweet water.